Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Glory to God. You know, vision is a very powerful thing. I said God does nothing without starting with vision. And we have to be people of vision. If you're ever going to hook up with the plan of God, you cannot wait until it starts to take formation in the natural. You cannot wait until you start seeing signs of turnaround and signs of restoration. You're going to have to start doing something about hooking up with the vision and seeing what God says coming to pass in your life. I'm going to read that again in Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision. Some very clear instructions given. Some very clear instructions given to write the vision and make it plain. You know, God has not intended his vision to be a difficult thing. God has not intended his vision to be this thing that you've got to, you know, fast and pray and strive and yearn, and, and, and you're going to have moments of that where you're going to have to dig deeper and dive deeper and really set yourself to, but, but if I could put it this way, you're not working to gain understanding of his vision. Really, the work, if we just want to be honest about it, is getting rid of the distractions that are keeping us from seeing his vision. His vision is the easy part. The hard part is removing the distractions and the barriers and the walls and the, and the things that we surround ourselves with that keep us from clearly seeing what God is really up to. I don't believe his vision is a difficult thing. I don't believe bringing heaven to earth is a difficult thing. I don't believe seeking first the kingdom of God is a difficult thing. It's the seeking first. It's putting him first and not being moved by what's happening around us, not being distracted by our own agendas and our own plans and, and our own, uh, if you will, resolutions that we come up with that we want to see. Uh, let's, let's set our resolution. Let's have one resolution this year. God, whatever you want to do, that's what I want to see done. How about getting his heart? How about getting what his checklist is? How about getting what his resolutions are because, you know, I believe God has some resolutions for the church this year. I believe there are some things God wants to see done by providence, by destiny, by divine order in 2022. Instead of us walking in with how much weight we want to lose and how much money we want to save and how many places we want to travel and how many things we want to do, let's walk in and say, Lord, what are you up to this year? What are you doing this year? And for some of you, that might mean prayer and fasting. For some of you, that might be getting to work on what you already know to do. You know, I've found that many times to be the case, that while I'm busy looking for the next thing God wants to do, he's asking me, are you doing the last thing I asked you to do? <laughs> what, what about the thing I asked you to do in 2021 that you never touched, that you never put your set, put, you know, set your heart to, what you never you know, let yourself get fully engaged in? Sometimes there's things left undone that he's saying, I need you to work on this before I can get you over here. 
Everybody in this room is in a different place, but one thing will apply to all of us, seeking first the kingdom of God. Write the vision down. Make it plain. And then the goal, of course, is the one that reads it can run with it. I want to run with the vision of God this year. I want to run with the plan of God. I don't want to just know the the plan of God. I want to run with the plan of God. I want to to be so engaged and so uh, 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 be such a participant of what God is doing in these last days that I'm running with it. That I'm I'm so engaged with it, it consumes me and everything about me. This applies to your family. This applies to your business just as much as it replies to this church and to revival and to a move of God. Set your heart to run with what God is moving you towards this year. For the vision is yet for an appointed, a future time. I love this. It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. That word has just been standing out to me lately. And when the Lord took me here this morning as I was just studying and praying uh, uh, before service, as I always do on Sunday mornings, you know, I, I studied throughout the week, but I'm always intentional about Sunday mornings. Lord, what is it that you want to drop today? What is it you want to say today? What is it that your people need today? And this word fulfillment just keeps coming back to me. This is the year of fulfillment. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on, you know, the year of 2022 and what it's going to be. You know, there's always those clever pastors that make stuff rhyme. He's doing something new in 2022. You know, just always got, always got, you know, something clever and catch that. That's, that's not me. I stole that from somewhere, uh, you know. But um, I, I do believe that God wants to see some things fulfilled. Promises that he's made. God is not just a promise maker, he's a promise keeper. And if you will set your heart, I believe this year you'll see things fulfilled that you've been believing for. You stood through 2021, you stood through 2020, you stood through 2019, you stood through that divorce, you stood through that separation, you stood through that brokenness, you stood through that sickness, you stood through that loss of a loved one. But now God is going to fulfill some things. He's going to, some things this year I believe in your life are going to make sense that have confused you in the past. It's all coming together. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? Why did they leave me? Why did they let me go? Why did this happen? Why did that take place? I, I tried. I believed. I stood. I, I, I applied faith. I did this. It's going to make sense this year. I believe that. I believe that because that's how God operates. Vision is for an appointed time. It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment, and it will not fail. His vision will not fail. His vision will not fail. It will come to pass. Even though it delays, wait, because it will certainly come. You know, I believe many times the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Bible also says that out out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart, that's usually what directs our mouth and our speech and our declarations. And I believe this, that death in our words is a result of a deficiency of vision in our heart. I'll say that again. Death in our words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Death in our words is a result of a deficiency of vision 
in our heart. When I hear someone speaking death to something, negativity, pessimism, concern, anxiousness, worry, when I, when I hear those words, it's an indicator of someone that's lost vision in their heart. They've lost the, the hope of possibility. They, they've lost the vision of what God has for them. But I, on the flip side of that, I believe when you hear life being spoken, when you hear uh, uh, vision and purpose and direction and moving forward, when you hear those words, that's someone that has engaged and connected with the vision in their heart. In spite of what they see, in spite of what's going on around them, in spite of what's happening to them, when you've got a vision in your heart, that's greater than any circumstance that could ever happen to you. When you get a vision in your heart, it will always strengthen you beyond circumstances that are trying to bring you down or destruction that happens around you. But when you lose that vision in your heart, oh, it's a dangerous place. When we lose vision in our heart, you cannot afford to start this year without vision in your heart. The church cannot afford to start this year, oh, another year of trial. What, what new variant are they going to come up with? What new issue are we going to have? What new problems going to arise? What new struggles going to come? When you start there, you, 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 we, the church cannot afford another day of living without vision. It's time to raise hope. It's time to live with ex- expectation of the great goodness that God is going to bring to pass this year and the mighty move that he's going to bring. It's time to shift gears, and it doesn't happen in your mouth until you determine it in your heart. And that's why I said now's the time to get vision. If God has proven anything throughout his word, he doesn't wait until something begins to show uh, signs of qualification or signs of meeting terms and conditions uh, before he applies a name to it. He calls it Abraham, father of many nations, when it's still fertile and it's still 25 years off from ever producing one child, much less a nation. He calls the king out of the shepherd field. He calls the mighty valiant warrior out of the one hiding in the wine press. He calls the catalyst for the modern day church out of the one that's murdering the church. Come on. If God has proven anything, he's not waiting. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. If God's proven anything, that he's watching over his word, ready to wait, wait and see if it will perform, if it will do what he said it will do, not the other way around. So it's time for us to get a word. It's time for us to get a declaration in our mouth. It's time for us to get a vision in our heart so we can start birthing life with our words into this year. This year, I believe, will be whatever you call it to be. This year will be whatever you pronounce it to be in accordance with what God's word says. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I, I, I believe we may just camp here and be here the entire month. I want to talk about the, the power of declaration. The power of declaration. I think the church needs to do better with its mouth. The church has been given a voice, but unfortunately, we either haven't been using it, it's been lying dormant, or we've been using it for the wrong reasons and the wrong agendas. 
But it's time for the church to get its voice back. It's time for the church to start using its mouth in accordance with the word of God. It's time for the church to start using its words to direct and align the path of what God is calling us to do. In Matthew chapter 16, in Matthew chapter 16, might seem like an odd place to start talking about declaration or talking about words, but really what you have to fully understand is God's kingdom concepts. If we don't understand how the kingdom works, then we'll miss everything else that God is trying to do in and through the church. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17, I'm reading out of the New Living. If you recall, Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples, and he says, who do men say that I am? Well, you know, they say you're one of the former prophets. You know, Elijah, come, come back to life. You know, one of these things. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, speaks up. I, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. That Jesus responds and says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Beginning with verse 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Right there, uh, we just got to understand that if you're going to move in the things of God and see the things of God come to pass, you're going to have to get a bigger glimpse of the supernatural than the natural. There are going to be some things that God is showing the church this year that's not going to come by natural intuition. It's not going to come by our own mental cognitive capacity and ability. It's going to come because we are aligned with the Spirit of God, in tune with the Spirit of God, hearing the Spirit of God in the Word of God, and being directed and led directly by supernatural things. It's time for the church to quit listening to the world and taking its cues from the world. It's time for the church to start leading the charge, be getting out front of this thing by the Spirit of God and getting some supernatural revelation of what God is trying to do in these last days. Peter did not get this uh, 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 revelation on his own. There was nothing in the natural that pointed him and directed him. I think that's Jesus, the Son of the living God. I think that's the Messiah. No, it came directly from the Father revealed by the Spirit. And I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. These verses clearly, clearly show us that you and I, the church, this word uh, in the Greek found here is the word ecclesia. It means a group of called out ones designated with the assignment of enacting law. A group of called out ones. That means this, this group is distinguished. This group is set apart. This group is not uh, on the inside looking out. It's on the outside looking in. This group of people are not looking to the world to take their cues. But they are rather uh, uh, in complete reverse taking their cues from another authority. 
and bringing that into operation in their community, in, in their surroundings. This was not, when he, when he said church in this phrase, this was not an unfamiliar term to them. And they were not thinking about the thing you and I are doing right now. They were not thinking the place you go. They were thinking about the people you are. When he used the word ecclesia, that, this was already being done in front of them. This, they had already seen this taking place, and it was a government term, not a religious term. You know, a lot of the terms that we look at and see in the Bible, we think are religious terms, like righteousness. Righteousness is not a religious term. Righteousness is a government term. It means to be in right standing with the governing authority. Righteousness is going 45 in a 45-mile-an-hour speed limit zone. That's righteousness. That's, that's, that's what righteousness is. It means you are in right standing with the governing authority. How many of you have ever been driving the speed limit? All right, that, that already eliminates most of us. You've been driving the speed limit. You see a cop, and your automatic reaction is to hit the brake. Why? You're righteous. What's the problem? You're in right standing. But, you know, the enemy does that to many of us all the time. You're righteous. You're in right standing. But then the word of the Lord comes and you automatically feel guilt and shame. That's the devil. That's a lying, scheming devil trying to make you feel guilty for something that you are no longer identified with. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Be secure in who you are. Know your identity. So when he uses the word ecclesia, this is not a, a religious term. This is a government term. And this is a group of people that are now hearing from a different territory, a different homeland, a different nation, and are bringing that culture into where they're at. And that's what he uses for the term church. That's what he uses for the term you and I. Not an event, not a place, not a something that shows up on your schedule, a people that are in this earth bringing heaven to earth. You and I are a distinguished, distinct, set-apart group of people in the earth today. Given one assignment, bring heaven to earth. If you didn't know that, you're, you're learning it right now. You are in the earth to bring heaven here. To make this culture look like that. He says, you are the ecclesia, you are the church. And he goes into verse 19, and he immediately uses an interesting term. He says, and I will give you keys. Keys. That the church has keys. You and I, did you know you and I have keys? You and I have keys. Keys do two things. Keys lock and keys unlock. And I will give you keys. Keys of what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. What's that mean? That means access. That means authority. If I give someone, uh, you know, if I give Mr. Keith my keys to my vehicle, that in essence is giving him authority to access my vehicle. And someone might stop and say, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? All he has to do is lift up the keys and say, I got the keys. Okay, all right. Just making sure you're not... Robbing Pastor Mark's truck, trying to take it for a spin. No, I've got the keys. The second I gave him the keys, I gave him the authority. And heaven, heaven's authority lies with the church in the earth today. 
you and I are operating in kingdom authority, heaven authority. And now heaven is obligated to back you up. Heaven is obligated to respond to what the church, as long as you're operating in alignment with the homeland. As long as you are operating in alignment with the assignment you've been given. And most, most Christians don't even recognize that they're in the earth with an assignment. With an assignment. And not to die in one time and, 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 and at one point in life die and go on and be with the Lord in glory in heaven. Sadly, that is the, the, the greatest outlook most Christians have in life today is departing from here and going there. And with that kind of focus and with that kind of perspective, we will never bring heaven to earth. And that's why we see destruction and depravity and wickedness and increase of unrighteousness. And, and, and not only will we see those things, we know that we'll see those things, but the church is called to be a solution to those things. If our only hope and our only answer is departure, if our only hope and answer is avoiding, if our only hope and answer in our time frame, in our lifetime, is one day, brother, you'll be removed from this earth and we'll get to be in heavenly glory with him, then that makes for a sad existence. In this life. That makes for a a, a very irresponsible church. Especially in these last days. Keys are unnecessary if we're not bringing heaven to this earth. Keys then therefore are unnecessary if we're not actually changing what's around us. If we're going to do anything that we're called to do, we have to first understand that we've been given a very high assignment. We cannot miss this moment. The stage has been set. What we have seen transpire uh, so tangibly and so visibly, so real over the last couple years, what we are seeing take place is, is merely, I mean, if anything, you ought to be getting excited. You ought to be on the edge of your seat. You ought to be so ready to be moved into motion to be a part of the plan of God, to be a part of a move of God, to be because the stage is being set. The writing is on the wall. It, it, it is our time to do exactly what this verse is saying. The keys of the kingdom are in the hands of the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now watch what he goes on to say. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Notice that heaven is responding to the church. Notice that whatever we forbid, heaven backs us up. Whatever we permit, whatever we allow, heaven backs us up. Look at this in the, um, in the Passion Translation, verse 19 in the Passion Translation. Actually, let me go back one more, verse 18, verse 18. 
I give you the name, Peter, a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock of foundation on which I build my church, my legislative assembly. That's kingdom talk. That's not, that's not church talk. You're, you don't typically hear these kind of words in church, but this is kingdom talk, a legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. And I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth. Who's doing the forbidding? The church. Who's doing the releasing, the allowing, the permitting? The church. You know, you've heard us say it before, but one of the, the biggest heresies that the church has bought into and one of the biggest, uh, 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 most dangerous uh, uh, statements that the church has allowed to be a leading uh, factor in what we believe is the idea that God is in control. That's so dangerous. In fact, that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Now, God is sovereign. And there is, see, there, there, there's two ways that God operates. Two ways that God operates. Number one is absolute. Absolute meaning it is what it is. You, it, he's not taking a vote. He's not consulting you. He's not considering you. He's not asking you. He's not giving you a say. It is what it is. When that's what God's word is, that's what God's word is. And that's the way it's going to be. You know, Jesus is coming. Jesus is returning, and that's not up to you and I. In fact, it's not even up to Jesus. Jesus says, even the Son of Man doesn't know the time or day. I'm just sitting on ready. But then there are, there's another element of how God operates. It's called his desires. There's God's absolutes, and then there's God's desires. And God's desires demand participation from you and I. God desires that no man perish but all come to eternal life, right? Is that right? Will that be the case? No, it will not. There are just some things in God's word that we will not see come to pass until we fully submit to his plan and to, through obedience and through submission to the word of God. And when we participate and get in our place. This idea and this thought that, well, he's going to do it anyways, that's garbage. Now, if you won't do it, he will find someone else to do it. But to live with this idea of, well, he's going to do it anyways. He'll, he'll heal when he wants to. Well, if he's going to heal when he wants to, then what's the point of faith? What's the point of James chapter 5 telling us to, if you have those that are sick among you, bring them before the elders of the church and they'll lay hands on them? What, what, if God's going to do what he wants, then let's never pray another prayer ever again. Let's quit wasting our time with that, right? You know, I've been making a pretty powerful statement lately. You know, sometimes it's just good to make you think a little bit. 
Sometimes it's good to throw some stuff out that might be a little hard to swallow. And you know what? If you can't swallow it, just keep chewing on it until it gets a little easier to swallow. But Jesus didn't teach us how to deal with unanswered prayers. Jesus didn't teach us how to deal when God doesn't respond. No, he taught us how to pray. He taught us what to pray for. And how to believe in expectation to see that come to pass. And the whole, well, what if he doesn't answer my prayer was never on the table. Now, let me go, let me go a little further with that. Sometimes it's our prayers that are the problem. Sometimes it's our prayers. Because I'll tell you right now, sometimes we're praying about things that we weren't commanded to pray about. We were commanded to speak to. We're over here praying for God to take away cancer when we were told clearly, directly, by his representation in the earth to speak directly to it and command it to go. Come on, church. This is what we're talking about. When you understand Matthew chapter 16, you understand your assignment, you understand that we're going to quit praying about things we were told to talk to. And on the flip side, we'll quit talking to things that we were told to pray about and cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So we're carrying around the burdens we're supposed to be casting, and all while we're becoming irresponsible with the things that we're supposed to be responsible for. Boy, doesn't that cause us to play right into the enemy's hand? Doesn't that cause us to, to, to play right into where he wants us to be? And then we end up with this God is in control mentality. God is in control is the church's excuse for when we don't see what we know is supposed to be happening, and it's happening on our watch. This verse tells me that nothing should be happening in the earth without the church's permission. This verse tells me that it is up to the church to be the go-between between the earth and what's happening here. So we got to rise. We got to rise. In the Amplified, verse 19, it reads this way. I will give you the keys. Authority. That's literally what he means there. When you have the keys to something, you have the authority. Delegated authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, here it is, declare to be improper and unlawful. Everyone say declare. On earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit and declare lawful. Everyone say declare. On earth will have already been loosed in heaven. So confession, declaration, decreeing is not a magic button to get God to do whatever you want. It is how we get God to do what he wants through us. I grew up in what you would call, what is called, you might not call it, but it is called, the word of faith. 
And when I say that, you, you, you might have no idea what that means. You might have some idea. You might even have a negative idea. Some of you may have been taught that word of faith is the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Company. Ministries International. Incorporated. The just say whatever you want and it's going to come to pass. The just speak it. But you know, we, we, we really ended up producing a lot of words detached from heart. I can just be honest about it. Confession and declaration in the kingdom of God and in the church and in the believer is probably one of the most powerful things and powerful weapons and powerful resources you have at your disposal. The church is real good at throwing the baby out with the bathwater. The second we, we see things get off out of alignment, uh, uh, they, they be, begin to go down a, a road that's not maybe necessarily God's word, then, then we just throw out the whole thing. And so confession and decreeing and declaring, even the ministry of the prophet, the prophetic, speaking things out, it all of a sudden gets a bad rap. And so now we, we have a company, we have a church that's not using their voice at all. A church that doesn't understand the power of their words. The church that doesn't understand the power of forbidding, binding, and loosing. I've had people call us, we are the binding and loosing church. I'll take that. That just means I'm Matthew chapter 16. But I, they're not meaning it as a compliment. I understand that. But I'll take it anyways. Oh, that's that church that binds and loose stuff. Well, what are you doing? Why don't you help me bind and some loose some stuff, and maybe we'll see some stuff happen a little quicker. But no, it's not a, 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 a magic word, open sesame, you know, rub the, the bottle of the genie three times and see what you get. No, this is understanding the power of, de of declaration and decrees in a kingdom. And in a kingdom, authority is never expressed until words are spoken. Never. I tell you right now, the devil does not care what you believe if you never talk about it. He could care less. Fill your heart up with all the words you want. Fill your mind up with all the scriptures, all the note-taking you want. But if you will not open your mouth and decree a thing, declare a thing, speak a thing, you won't see anything change. I love what Pastor Mark Hankins says. Never run at your giant with your mouth closed. And it's not saying whatever I want. It's when my words come into alignment with the word. But this book, this word doesn't do any good until it's in my mouth and I'm professing it, confessing it, declaring it. Go ahead. Try to make Jesus Lord of your life without confessing Jesus as Lord of your life. You don't think Jesus as Lord of your life. You believe it in your heart and you what? Confess it with your mouth. Confession is a key component, not just to getting in the kingdom, but to operating in the kingdom. 
And this issue of forbidding and permitting and releasing and loosing and binding and holding back and letting loose of things in the earth, it is all done by declaration. That very element of whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. It's all done with words. That is how you bind and that is how you loose. It's with words. It's not with pointing a finger. It's not by getting loud and demonstrative. It's not by explaining or exclaiming. It's by decreeing and declaring the word of God, convinced of it in your heart and speaking it with your mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. God's word in your mouth, you speaking the word of God. You know, the very fact that the earth was formed and brought into fruition by words that were spoken and declared ought to give us the ultimate conviction that there's power in our words. That right there ought to bring conviction in my heart to guard over and watch over what I say and how I use my words for the glory of the kingdom. That very act alone, that let there be light and there was light, that right there should stop me in my tracks and say, well, what can my words do? Last time I checked, you and I were made in the image and Likeness, image and likeness is not talking about skin color, hair color, height and weight. It's talking about operation. It's talking about function. And you and I were made to function in the earth like God functions in heaven. And when God wants something done, when God wants to perform something, what does he do? He speaks it. Let there be light. And there was light. Let the ground bring forth green grass. Let the uh, sea be divided, parted from the, the dry land. Let there be stars. Let there be moon. Let there be day and night. And he spoke it and it was. And you and I have been given the same capacity to function with our words. And now he's given us the assignment to bind and to loose. And you won't think it bound. You'll speak it bound. You know, when we don't understand the full power of our words and the full capacity and strength and resource that we have in our mouth and in our tongue, then it compromises our ability to get the job and the assignment done. And it forces us to rely on other ways to get it done. It forces us to now rely on a different resource that we were, we're expecting the world to do things that we were supposed to do. We're expecting the world to eradicate COVID when the church was called to eradicate COVID. 
We're expecting the world to, to solve uh, crisis. We're expecting the world to solve uh, economic situations. We're expecting the world to solve education issues. When it was the church, we were the ones brought here with all of heaven backing us. If we'll forbid it with, in, in the earth, then heaven will forbid it in heaven. All of heaven is backing our words, and yet we don't use the one weapon we have at our disposal, our mouth, our tongue. This issue of confession is not hokey pokey. This issue of confession is not a magic potion. This issue of confession is the way that we forbid, bind, loose, and permit the kingdom of God into the earth. I can bind up darkness and I can release, like I can bind up sickness and I can release healing. How? By my words. I think that we've got to learn how to speak some things, declare some things. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. This will kind of just be an introduction, because I really want to dive into this. I really want us understanding the power of declaring a thing. We need to have some prophetic declarations over this year. I'm tired of people getting to the end of a year and just so thankful that one chapter has closed and, and now we're getting to the next one. I know this year wasn't great for everyone. I know that this, this past year didn't hold uh, all the, 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 the bountiful blessings that maybe you were believing for January 1 of 2021, and you get to December 31. But, but there's got to be a way to see God's word come to pass in your life. There's got to be a way. God did not mean for you to get to every December 31st brokenhearted and weary and anxious and tired. And, oh, if I could just get that year behind me and oh, all these things that didn't that happen and now you're going in coming out how you leave one thing's how you go into the next how are you going to go into this year hopeful when you ended last year hopeless with the idea that because the calendar changed your situation will change. No, it's time to start taking responsibility for some things. It's time to start speaking to some things. It's time to start calling anxiousness, peace, forbid, bind anxiety in the name of Jesus, and loose peace in the name of Jesus. Oh, there goes that crazy talking again. There goes that crazy. Well, guess what? You keep confessing all the negativity you want. You can have it. I'll keep I'll keep confessing the word of God. Keep confessing my back is killing me. Go ahead. It ain't ever going to feel any better. Or start declaring the promises of God's word over your body, over your muscles, over your tendons, over your ligaments, over your joints. I am strong. Let the weak say. Let the weak say. Let the weak. Let the weak. Let the weak say I am strong. Say it. Declare it. Speak it with a conviction in your heart that his word will come to pass. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, seek the Lord 
while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This is another verse that's been taken out of context. Another verse that we use as an excuse to uh, allow anything and everything to take place in this realm. Well, his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. He's up to something. I I don't have any clue what he's doing. But, you know, if the Lord wills, it's just, it's another backseat verse. It's another ride-along verse. It's amazing how we, we, we tend to exalt the things that give us the least amount of responsibility in what God is doing. And then we call it God. No, if we keep reading, we find out some stuff. Because verse 10 says, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens. They stay on the ground to water the earth. Something from heaven's coming down. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish. Everyone say accomplish. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Notice he says that I'm sending my word. Psalms 107 verse 20, one of my favorite verses when sickness and disease tries to come on. He what sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healing was the result of the word. Healing was the result of the word. He sent his word. He says that my word will accomplish that which I have sent. Have you been saying words or are you sending words? Oh, there's a difference. Promise me. I promise you there is a difference between just saying something and sending something. See, this is the thing. Anytime God wants to do something, he speaks. God never speaks to say something. God speaks to do something. There is something he's trying to accomplish. There's an assignment he's been given to those. There's an assignment given to those words, and now those words are sent out to accomplish a task. Jesus himself was what? The word made flesh and dwelt, and he was sent to the earth. The word of God that was with him from the beginning and was him. That very word was then sent 
in the flesh with an assignment, a specific task to perform and accomplish something. Anytime God wants to do something, he says something. What if we started looking at our words, at how we are literally assigned a task and how we're going to accomplish it? This is a year to send your words, not just say your words. Well, what am I saying? What am I sending? You're, you're saying what God says. See, a lot of times our words are merely limited to aligning and speaking what we already see. My back is killing me. And that's not to deny that it's killing you, that it's hurting you, that there is pain there. But I can either say what I see or I can get with God's program and I can see what I say. See, that's how God operates. God doesn't say what he sees. God does not just speak out what it is. Jesus did not stand up in that boat in the middle of that storm and say, man, what a crazy storm this is. Or this this storm's going to tear us apart. Or we might die here, like the disciples were saying, right? And remember, those disciples went to Jesus and asked Jesus to do something about the storm, right? Y'all remember that? Jesus, Jesus, wake up. This storm's about to rip us apart. This storm is going to cause us to die. Now, that's what we call praying about something. Jesus got up in the stern of that boat, looked directly into that storm, and said what? Peace, be still. Very simple. He didn't have to go off in tongues on it. He didn't have to lay hands on it. He didn't have to wail and and, and find a prayer closet somewhere for three hours. He didn't have to boo-hoo and moan and cry. He spoke directly by the authority of the kingdom. He bound a storm and he let loose peace. Bind on earth and it will be bound in heaven. Loose on earth and it will be loosed in heaven. Y'all with me? Jesus has literally given us an example. So the disciples went and prayed about it. Jesus got up and did what? Spoke directly to it. And then you know what Jesus did? He turned around to those disciples that prayed about the problem and said, where's your faith? Did you know that praying about something you should be speaking to is a lack of faith? Oh, boy. That just completely altered about all of my religious theology. That just destroyed all of it right there. I'm not saying prayer is wrong. I'm just saying it's not the best. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to God with certain things, but when there are certain things that he's commanded you to do something about, he's put the power in your mouth to do something about it. 
And there is a time to switch over from praying to decreeing. There is a time that we stop getting on our hands and knees and we stand up with a spine straight up, chest out, bold as a lion, speaking directly to a thing and saying, you must die in the name of Jesus. You must go in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, foul spirit, in the name of Jesus. There is a place for that. And it's not just the old Pentecostal ladies that will come down here and hold you down until you get saved again. There is an authority in your voice. You speak to that marriage and you call it restored in Jesus' name. You speak to that sickness and disease. You call it to die at the very root in Jesus' name. You speak to that mind and you call it peace and quiet in the name of you. You speak to your sleep and you say, I command peaceful sleep. And he gives his people perfect sleep, perfect rest. Come on, this is the year to decrease some things. This is the year to stop putting up with things. This is the year to stop getting on your hands and knees and asking God to do something about something. This is the time to stand in your authority, stand in your place. You've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You've been given access to heaven to bring it into this realm. That's exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. When you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a different perspective. It's a different position of the heart. It's a different placement. It's a different way to view my responsibility and my assignment in the earth. And there's no way I can own my assignment as the ecclesia, the church of the living God in these last days, with my mouth quiet. You cannot do it. cannot do it. The one thing that the enemy cannot tolerate is a believer that knows who they are and is ready and able to use their mouth for the kingdom of God. He doesn't stand a chance. All of hell has to bow when you learn how to decree and declare in accordance with the word of God. Look, it's, it's time to get beyond. When I say this is your best year yet, that's not just a little optimistic, little, it'll get you rallied up. 2022, it's going to be the best year. It's time to start discerning when we're moving over into prophetic declaration and we're calling it the best year. I'm not waiting to see if it will be. I'm not hoping and wishing. I'm not on my knees. Oh, Lord, please bring me, bring me my man. Bring me my woman. Bring me my, bring me my healing. Bring me my deliverance. Bring me my freedom. Bring me my restoration. We're not waiting on that. We're calling some things. We're going to start speaking some things. We're going to start getting it in our heart, believing it in our heart, and confessing with our mouth. Hallelujah. Look at this in the Amplified, Isaiah chapter 55. Y'all getting this this morning? Come on, we're going to use our mouth this year. Use your words, right? That's what we're doing with our, our youngest son right now. Year and a half. Use your words. It's time to grow up. 
the babbling and the, you know, it's not going to work anymore. You know, he's gotten to the age now where he can do some things. He's learning to throw trash away. We pull a little trash can thing, and he'll try to hand it to you. No, you do it. See, as you grow up, the, the, the reward of maturity is responsibility. You know what you get? Chores. You know what you get as you get older? The ability to do stuff and the responsibility to do it. Now, my 10-year-old, almost 11, he's in a whole nother. I'm surely not going to hold him to the same standard that I'm holding Austin and vice versa. They're at different levels. But as we're growing, there's more responsibility given. There's more responsibility. Man, when you take that five and you, you, you went and you got the return of the ten, well, guess what? Now we've got more to be responsible with. It's called stewardship. Let's steward 2022. Man, he gave you the privilege of being alive at this hour, at this moment, at this time, for such a time as this. Let's not waste it. Let's steward it with all that we've got. Verse 9. Isaiah 55, verse 9 in the Amplified. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven... And do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Notice the chain reaction. We get water and snow from the heavens. It waters the earth. Then it, 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 it takes care of the crops. The crops in turn take care of you. So will my word, verse 11, be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless without result. Man, I'm telling you right now, this is not the year of useless words any longer. This is not the year of words returning with void. They are going to return without void. They are going to return having accomplished something, having done something for the kingdom of God. What are your words returning back to you? It's a good question. Will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Worship team, if you come. God always speaks for the purpose of accomplishing something. God always speaks for the purpose of a task that has been assigned with the goal of fulfillment. When he gives you a vision, why are we writing it down? What are you writing down? Words. Maybe it's a picture, but there's a word behind it. And that vision, it hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. Would you stand with me? I just want to take a moment to declare fulfillment over this church and over you. You know, I'm reminded of the, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years. 
38 years he laid by that pool. For 38 years he remained in his brokenness. Jesus even had the audacity to ask him, what do you want? What do you think he wants? What do you want, lame man laying by the pool? I want to be made well, but every time I try to get in the pool, someone beats me to it. You know, time after time of trying and working and striving to see a miracle, to see something fulfilled, a promise come to pass, you know what that does? It begins to produce disappointment in your life. And that disappointment, it takes away your want to. That's why Jesus had to ask him, what do you want? See, he had to first take care of his want. Healing his legs, no problem. But are you in a position you can believe? And right now, in this moment, we're going to cast off disappointment. Because that disappointment, just as it did with that man, literally, figuratively, that disappointment will cripple you this year. And you'll be left with striving and failing. Striving and failing. We're going to let go of disappointment. Whatever disappointment 2021 brought you, it's a relationship, it's a brokenness, something you were standing for, believing for, you didn't yet see it, this is the year of fulfillment. This is the year that you change your talk. You can tell when someone's disappointed. It's in their words. It's in their demeanor. It's in their attitudes. It's in their responses. It's, it yields to apathy and laziness and become lethargic. And It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so, if the enemy can get you out of faith, he can get you out of the position that you will see him move on your behalf. So whoever that is, I just want us all to engage in this together. We're going to cast off disappointments. You just lift your hands to heaven as a sign of surrender. Close your eyes just between you and him. Father, we yield to you now all disappointment, all anxiety, all worry. Come on, if that's you, just cast it off right now. Use your words. Say, I cast off this disappointment. I cast off this failure. Whether it was your fault or not, whether it was done to you or done because of you, it doesn't matter. Just cast it off. We cast these cares onto you. Because there is a care you've given us. It's to bring your kingdom to earth. So, Father, we just yield over that disappointment right now. We're going to stop mulling over why it didn't work. We tried and we tried and just didn't get the results. We're going to stop thinking it. We're going to stop processing it. We're going to stop allowing it to take up space in our mind. We cast it off in the name of Jesus.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.